It's pretty cool. Uh, Joel forgot to release the teachers and the children, and my wife is one of those teachers and children. I, was, I had this thought running through my mind, so I wanted to piggyback on what Deborah had just shared about uh, husbands and wives. Babe, will you come up here, Felice? We did not plan this. This is when I was thinking about this this morning. My beautiful wife, I had this thought this morning, and then Deborah shared what she shared about restoration and strengthening husbands and wives and marriages. And I just wanted to model something for you, husbands and wives. Some of you are thinking about getting married in the future. Some of you have been married longer than I've been alive, some of you. But I just wanted to model something that is so simple and profound and so profoundly simple. Something that we do pretty much every day. And when we forget, we'll call each other and do it over the phone. <laughs> but most of the time, it's, I'm about to. I'm, I'm trying to build suspense. <laughs> we pray together before I leave for work, before we start our day. And I just want to show you, I know it sounds so like, duh, but you'd be amazed at what this simple thing will do and how it will change your marriage. Our communication's gotten better. It's not perfect. We still get into it in the kitchen a lot of times. But I just wanted to model this for you. Are you okay with that? I yeah, <laughs> thank you, babe. So if your husband or wife's here, grab their hand and uh, let's just pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for my wife. I thank you for the gift that she is to me. I thank you for your hand upon her, and I thank you for the unique perspective that she has. I thank you for the mother that she is. I thank you for the encouragement that she is. I pray, Lord, today that her mind would be filled with only your thoughts and your truth, God. That she would experience a new depth of your love for her, Lord. I pray, Father, today that she would know how significant her role is as the mother of our children who's raising and training them. I thank you, Lord, for every dream that she's dreamed, every dream that you have placed in her. And I pray, Father, you give me the wisdom to know how to lay my life down, that she would walk in all of her dreams and her purposes. I bless her today in Jesus' name. Jesus, I thank you so much for my husband. I thank you for how you made him and the talents that you've given him for your kingdom, Lord. And I just pray that you would speak to him as he is speaking to our church today and that you would lay on his heart exactly what you want us to, to know and to learn. Lord, I thank you for the father that he is and the husband that he is. Lord, I ask that you would better our communication, that you would strengthen our marriage, Lord, and I thank you for choosing him to be mine. Amen. Amen. Simple as that. We don't sit for hours, but we do that 10, maybe five minutes. It's powerful. I encourage you, do that. Make it a priority. Wake up a little earlier that is an absolute weapon. I believe that prayer is oxygen for Christians. 
If you're not praying, you're not breathing. Pray together. I've been stewing on a message for us for a couple weeks now. And I'll, Travis was speaking, I don't know, a month or so ago, and a powerful message uh, about how when we go through storms in life, that those storms provide for us an opportunity to see Jesus in a different way than we've ever seen him before. You guys remember that message? Wasn't that powerful? On the other side of the storm, the disciples got to see Jesus as the one who even the wind and the waves obeyed his commands. They never seen him that way before. It was only because there, there was a storm. And it was so powerful. But he also touched on praising the Lord like Paul and Silas in the middle of that, that prison. And I just got hung up in a good way on that. I just began to sense the Holy Spirit stirring a message from that familiar scripture. So you can turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 16, and we're going we're gonna to look at that. And as I was stewing on this word, I, um, I just felt like the Holy Spirit, as I was driving to work one day, I just sensed the Holy Spirit just like start preaching. It was just, if you would have been a car looking inside at my vehicle at a stoplight, like the Holy Spirit... <laughs> Holy Spirit was preaching to me through my own mouth, and it was like, yeah, and I was like, Lord, let's, let's do that again, because that was really cool, and I got really stirred up by it, um, and then this morning as I was praying, I just saw myself up here, and I have this bad tendency to have a really good idea, know the direction of the Lord, have a vision, have a dream, have a plan. And I let go of his hand and I take off going for it without him. And I just saw the Lord uh, this morning as I was praying. I just saw me up here and I just saw Jesus come up and get my hand and say, let's do this together. <laughs> and that's what I really want to do. I have a, such a bad tendency to run off with these great grand ideas and I let go of his hand. but he wants to do this with us. He wants to have life with us. He just doesn't want to give you something and say, okay, go, 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 go. So Lord, I pray that what you showed me this morning would take place, not just for me, but for all of us. Lord, the things that are stirring in our hearts, the visions, the dreams, the talents, the skills, all those things, Lord, that we would walk in them. And the only way we'll walk in the fullness of those things is if we are walking hand in hand with you. This morning, Lord, I don't just want to lean on a good message. I want to lean on you. Lord, I don't just want to lean on a good idea. I don't even want to lean on the dreams or the things that you've given me. I want to lean on you. I want to trust you. I want all that I am to be for you. You are the treasure. Speaking of leaning on things, this just came to my mind, and I'm just going to believe this is the hand of Jesus. You know, Moses was given a staff, right? 
And Moses did a lot of really cool things with his staff. The Lord, I mean, you know the stories. You can go back and actually, I was studying this a couple months ago, and I read everywhere where the staff was active in the story. It's pretty, it was like, I thought I was going to preach a message about it, but I was like tracking Moses' staff, some kind of cool message like that. But you start reading it, and there's some, there's some little discrepancies where the Lord will say one thing, and Moses will like do almost, I mean, it's not like a big point. You really have to be studying it out. But there'll be these little moments where Moses does like 90% of what the Lord says, but there's, still, there's a little something that's not quite exactly what the Lord said, but the Lord still allowed the plague or the, the miracle to happen, right? And there was two times where water came out of a rock, Early on in the journey, and at the very end of the journey, the staff shows up again, and the Lord tells Moses, get the staff and get Aaron, and I want you to go, what does he say? Do you guys know this? Speak to the rock. There was another time where he actually hit the rock, and it was all good, but this time he said, get your rod and get your brother, and I want you to speak to the rock. And this is like right as they're about to go in. And I felt like Moses kind of let go of God's hand for a second and said, I know what we're going to do because he's, he's used this staff so many times before. And instead of speaking to the rock, he takes the staff and he strikes the rock. Woo! And it cost him the promised land. Some people, some theologians would say that right there. It's like, I cannot have that type of mentality going in to the promised land. I have to have a people that are hearing my word and doing my word. I cannot even allow this little bit. Can you believe that after all he went through, he didn't even get to go in? And I believe it's because he leaned on a staff. He had a really good idea. Well, he'd turn into snakes and it split seas and it caused the water to turn into blood. He had a really good track record with the staff. It's also interesting to me that Moses had a, you know, a speech problem and the Lord was telling him, I want you to use the very thing that you think is a weakness. I want you to lean not on the staff, but I want you to lean on what I'm telling you, even if what I'm telling you makes you very uncomfortable. And for Moses, that was speaking. Anyway, study that out. It's a really powerful story. I think it applies to us today, that we would walk hand in hand with his voice, with him, that we wouldn't rely on the staff that parted the sea yesterday because it really had nothing to do with the staff, right? It was the word of the Lord. Anyway, Acts chapter 16. Kind of the backdrop of this I want you to to know is, uh, it was a week or two ago, I forgot who said it, but we quoted the scripture it is no longer I who live, right? You know this one? I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, 
but it's Christ living in me. I want that to kind of be the backdrop for that, thinking about this, because we get to see the power of that scripture actually lived out. What does it look like when we believe and live what that looks like? What does it look like when we actually believe it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ living in me, and it's the truth, it's the reality of our lives. And this story just exemplified this so much to me, particularly the back half. So don't check out, you guys. I know we're going to read some familiar stuff, and oh, he's going to tell us we need to praise in the middle of the storm, because no, we do. But there's another part of this I really want us to, to look at today. Because I thought it was so powerful right before I got up here. We were talking about the breakthroughs. Jesus stepping in to your impossible situation. Jesus stepping into your pain. Jesus stepping into a place of bondage. Jesus stepping into these places that absolutely need heaven to come and rock the boat. <laughs> rock your world in a good way. We need that. We need that, and we're going to read about that. But something happens on the other side of that that I really think the Lord wants us to learn and grow in. Okay? You guys with me? The rest of you that didn't say, yeah, are you with me? Okay, cool. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> so we know the story. Uh, Paul gets kind of frustrated with this uh, girl who's just kind of harassing him day after day after day. And it, it says he kind of, uh, what was this? It says Paul was greatly annoyed, my translation says. So Paul greatly annoyed, talks to the demon, casts the demon out. An uproar happens. The master's hopes of all profit are gone. You guys, raise your hand if you're, if you're familiar with this story. I don't, I don't I'm going to be, okay, cool. So all the prophets are gone. Takes them before the magistrates and tells them that they're, uh, creating an uproar, and they're teaching unlawful things. So here it goes. So we're going to pick up what happens. The crowd rose up together. I'm sorry, I'm in verse 22. So Acts 16, 22. The crowd rose up together against them, and the chief magistrates tore their robes off them, talking about Paul and Silas, and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. Everybody say, ow. That was real pain. I think when we read the Bible, we get a little desensitized sometimes. This is real pain, real bruises. Verse 23, when they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely and he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. What was that guard doing? Taking orders. The guard was taking orders. And I would say they were, it was an unjust order. How many of you know there are people in our land today that are just people who are taking orders and they're wrong, and they're mean, and they're cruel. And just to make sure that these guys were secure, he put Paul and Silas into the worst part. So now they are beaten 
with many blows. They're hurting. They're sore. They probably have some open wounds. We Actually, they do have open wounds because we're going to read about that in a second. I know me after a long day of power washing out in the North Carolina hot heat and humidity, all I want to do is come home, get a water and a shower, and get in to the air conditioning and just comfort my body. <laughs> Anybody else like to bring comfort to themselves? <laughs> Anybody else eager? Much less when you've, you all have heard the story when I took Paul and Travis snowboarding. <laughs> you should have heard these guys trying to take care of their bruised bodies because they were so sore. I could hear them too. Oh, just trying to get any type of relief as soon as they could get it. Give me some ibuprofen. Give me a prayer. Get, oh, man. We heard about it. They were sore. As soon as, how many of you know pain only intensifies your desire to get relief? Right? We always want it, but when you're hurting, you really want it. I want you to know that is the back, that's what's happening here. Pain, I believe, is being felt. Can I get a witness? These guys, amen. They are feeling pain. Now they are in the worst part of the dungeon, the dungeon. And this place is filled with, I'm sure, rodents. I've read places, this is going to be kind of grotesque, but th this is the part where a lot of the guards would actually use the bathroom in this area. So most likely they are surrounded by horrible smells, lots of just gross things. How many of you know when you smell something really gross, you really want to get away from that gross thing as fast as you can? Unless you're my kids and they're like, hey, dad, smell this, but that's another story. But... <laughs> So they are feeling bad. They are in a situation where they are in a really bad smells going on. Super, super uncomfortable. Hands and feet are fastened in stocks, chains. They're in an impossible situation. Largely in part because this guard put them there, right? But about midnight, picking up in verse 25, but about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and they were singing hymns of praise to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. You ever wonder who the Lord allows to hear you when you're going through stuff? You ever wonder what they hear you saying and doing? <laughs> Will they hear you praising him? There's people in your life that hear you. Your neighbors hear you. Your children hear you. Your coworkers hear you. I think it's so beautiful that the people around Paul and Silas heard something. And it was prayer, and it was praise. I encourage us, be a people of prayer and praise, no matter what you are going through, because there are people in your life that hear you.
Verse 26. And suddenly there came a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken and immediately all the doors opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. Stop at verse 26. Don't read ahead. Don't read ahead. This is where I'd like to insert the if Josh would have been their version of the Bible. <laughs> I like to do that with the Bible sometimes. I like to think what would have happened if I would have been right there. We've been praying. We've been going for it. We've been doing our worship and our intercession. We've been getting people to agree with us. And all of a sudden, an opportunity to get out of this really uncomfortable situation presents itself. The chains are off. The prison has just been shaken. The doors are open. Paul sees the exit sign, if there wasn't an emergency exit sign, this way, I'm going to get to my people. They're going to have a hot piece of bread and maybe some soup. They're going to have some peroxide and some ibuprofen. I'm going to get relief from all of this wounds. I'm going to get a bath. I'm going to get, I'm going to get feeling good. If Josh would have been there, I have to confess, I would have been gone. I would have been like, this is a cool story. I'm going to go back to my people. You guys are never going to believe what happened. We cast out a demon, got in trouble, got beat, still decided to praise and worship the Lord God. He made the whole prison shake, the whole place. I cannot believe. And then all of a sudden, the door came open, and I came here. Isn't that amazing? And all of you guys would have been like, "Woo, that's amazing. God is so good. I can't believe it here. Let me give you some bandages and let me take care of you. Oh, man, I want to make you Josh the prophet. Get up on the stage and tell this story. This guy is on fire. Woo! I'm about to take you really low right now. And a jailer would have successfully committed suicide. What? And a jailer would have successfully committed suicide. I told you I was going to take you down really quick. I got to give you a little bit of sugar. Verse 27. And when the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors opened, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. How many of you know not only the other prisoners heard Paul and Silas, so did the jailer. So did their enemy. So did the person who was responsible for putting them in there. They heard Paul and Silas. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped just like Josh would have escaped. I thank God I wasn't in that prison. That's a cool story. Even, even without 
what I'm about to read, that's a powerful story. But I want to remind you what we started with. It is no longer I who live. It is no longer I who live. The sole focus of my life isn't to bring myself comfort, but to bring glory to the one who saved me. The sole purpose of my life isn't just to tell cool stories about something that happened, but it is to lay my life down. This is our reasonable act of worship. Verse 28, here's the good news. Josh wasn't there, but Paul was. <laughs> and Paul said, Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. That's powerful. I don't know how it's happened, but somehow in the church, this idea that, oh yeah, that guard's gonna get his because he put me in here, and that's what you get when you mess with God's people. You don't mess with God's people because they're gonna, oh yeah, serves him right. Serves him right. He got what he was asking for. I mean, Jesus, one of the most radical teachings of Jesus is to love your enemies. That's radical. That is absolutely radical. And when it says love your enemies, it actually uses the same word that you would love your wife or your children, the closest people in your life. When the Spirit of God fills you, you can love your enemies with the same intensity that you love your friends, that you love your family with. That is radical. And we see Paul saying, don't harm yourself. And he called for the lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, come on, what must I do to be saved? This story just got a lot cooler. This story just got way, way more amazing. Eternity is being changed because someone decided to live for the glory of God and not their own comfort not their own praise, not their own pat on the back, not their own vain glory, but for the glory of God. What must I do to be saved? And here their beautiful answer is, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. This story just got even cooler. Another generation just got touched and saved and filled with God. This is an amazing story. 
And this is, this is so cool to me. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all who were in his house. And he took them that very hour of the night and washed their wounds. Who washed their wounds? <laughs> the jailer. The jailer. The Lord is not ignorant of your wounds. God's not some cruel guy to see how much pain he can inflict on you and how much you're going to put up with. But when we seek first his kingdom, what happens? All these things are added unto us. If we seek first our own comfort, I'll, I can successfully comfort myself. And that's all I'm going to accomplish. But when I seek first his kingdom, generations get transformed and my needs get met. And it might be by somebody very unlikely. The very person that was my enemy moments before now is bandaging wounds. Isn't that correct? I mean, oh, it's amazing. It gets better. Where are we at? <laughs> oh, there it goes. There wounds. And immediately he was baptized, he and all of his house. So now the jailer is getting baptized, and his whole household is getting baptized. I want to live this kind of life. I want to live this kind of life. And he brought them into his house. And then what did he do? He prepared a meal for them. You know, the Bible says he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. Isn't it pretty cool that even our enemies will prepare a table of food for us when we're living this way? It's kind of cool to me. That's what's happening here. Their enemy. And they rejoiced greatly, having believed in God with his whole household. Whew. Aren't you glad? He didn't leave that prison as soon as the doors came open. <laughs> I'm glad it wasn't me. What's the point of all this? We're in situations in our lives. We talked about it. We prayed about it. We talk about it all the time. And the Lord wants to show up and come in power. And I think it's important for us to know why. It's not just for you to have a better day. It's not just, he doesn't want to give you favor just so that you can have some more zeros in your bank account. He doesn't want to give you favor just because, so you can sleep better at night or have anything. He wants to give you favor so that the people around you, even your enemies, will be completely transformed by what he is doing in your life. It is not for you to have an escape route to go comfort yourself as quickly as you possibly can. When we live this way, when it's his life in us, we stay in situations Gotta be careful here because I know there you could err in another direction. I'm just gonna start, I'm just gonna stop there. 
when we're seeking first his kingdom, his glory, the story of our lives will be way cooler (laughs) than we thought they would ever be. His plans are so much better for my life than my plans are. When we were worshiping, I heard this phrase, pacifiers pacify. And I think our, our own comfort, our own needs, our own wants can become pacifiers. And the Lord wants you to experience real life, living for his glory. I've been singing this song, all is for your glory. All is for your name, that in all things you would have first place that in all things you would have preeminence. All is for your glory. All of me is for his glory. When the breakthrough comes, it's not just for us to have a cool story. When the breakthrough comes, it is for his glory. What's that? And that rhymes. When the breakthrough comes, it's not for I start. <laughs> Check your heart, as my favorite comedian would say. <laughs> Check your heart. When the walls start shaking and the shackles fall off. Where are you looking? Are you looking at the jailer or are you looking at the exit sign? I'm going to put our um, shift gears real quick because I believe what we see in Paul's life is just a copy. It's somebody, I love the, the understanding of Paul. He's preaching the same gospel of Jesus, you know, Mozart and all those guys, they wrote, who, who was it, Beethoven did like the Fifth Symphony, that's pretty popular, is that right? You know, a lot of people other than Beethoven have performed Beethoven's Fifth, fifth symphony, symphony, and I think about, I like the idea of Paul, Jesus wrote this beautiful gospel symphony and he presented it to the world. All Paul is doing is living and preaching the same beautiful symphony that Jesus released in the earth. I love this scripture in John chapter 10 because we live in a culture that likes to talk about authority and I love the authority that God has given us. I love the authority that we have as sons and daughters whose father is the king of kings and lord of I love that. But there's, a, there's another side of authority that I want to touch on real quick and then I'm going to read something from Romans In John chapter 10, Jesus says in in verse 14, I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me, even as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay my life down for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, think of the jailer. They will hear my voice and they will 
become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason, my Father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. Listen to this powerful verse I'm about to read. I have authority to lay my life down. Isn't that a different understanding of authority? Jesus' authority, he says, I have authority to lay my life down and I have authority to take it back up again. Come on. You want to walk in some real authority? Lay your life down and allow him to fill it with all of his glory and all of his power. (laughs) This commandment I received from my father. One more scripture. Romans chapter five. I want you to put yourself in in the seat of the jailer. Romans chapter 5, verse 10 says this. I'll wait for the ambulance to pass. For if while we were enemies, put yourself in the seat of the jailer, you are the enemy in need of saving. You are the one hostile to Jesus. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. I believe Jesus sees us And although we might not have a sword drawn about to take our own lives like the jailer, he sees us with no possible way of ever getting it right. He sees us on a crash course with death, despair, hopelessness, sin, shame, all of it. We are on a crash course with death just like this jailer. And while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. <laughs> I've always read that story from the position of Paul. As, you can, as I told you earlier, it was pretty funny what would have happened. But then I started to see myself as the jailer heading towards death. And Jesus said, stop. I'm making a way for you and I'm making a way for your household and I'm making a way for your children to know me and to be saved. Reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. He gave his life to give you life. Will we, having been reconciled to God, 
as people who were once his enemies, will we play and will we live that beautiful gospel symphony that Jesus wrote, that Paul played, and that we now in this time get a chance to play for this world? Or will we write our own symphony and as soon as something happens, we take the exit instead of laying our lives down? We're praying for a mighty move of God in this church. We had 40 plus people from homeless communities around the area on our property yesterday. We gave out 40 plus lunches. I've got this beautiful picture of Mountain Bird praying with the very first gentleman. He couldn't even get to the showers before Mountain Bird got a hold of this guy and started praying for him. We targeted. I was like, we're going to be intentional. We're not getting together just to have some chit chat. We're going to target and believe that these sons and daughters are going to have an encounter with the presence of God. They're going to be fed, they're going to be showered, and we're going to speak to their spirit and remind them who they are and who they've always been. It was powerful. But we haven't seen nothing yet. We haven't seen nothing yet. We're going to start seeing shackles fall off. We're going to start feeling the earthquakes of God's presence. And we have to be a people who don't care about the story, but I'm going to rhyme again, but we're all about the glory of God. It's not about Morningstar, Wilmington, or anybody else. Hey, check out what we did. Look at this faith. No, it's not about that. It is about eternity being changed, households being completely transformed. That's what we are about. And we had opportunity to pray for so many folks yesterday, and we did see some sweet things happen. But I'm believing for more. I am believing for some of the craziness that we read about to start taking place and even more so. And I think this message is crucial that we get our hearts right. Anywhere in our heart where there might be some vain glory, anywhere in our lives where it's about us and our dream and our reputation and our name and my validation and my pat on the back, none of us deserve a pat on the back because ain't none of us give our lives to forgive anybody's sins. I think that's why the Lord gave me this message because I battle with that. I like, a, I like a good pat on the back and I have to repent. <laughs> I like a good, good word, Josh. I got to go home and tell my wife, babe, when that person said good word, I liked it a little too much and I have to lay that down. Am I the only one? <laughs> All is for your glory. Let's just pray that to him. All is for your glory. All is for your glory. Anywhere that we have lived for something other than your glory, Lord, 
Would you be so kind as to bring correction to us right now? Would you be so kind as to convict us and remind us of exactly why we have breath in our lungs today? That all would be for your glory, Lord. That every prophetic word that we release would be for your glory, God that households would be saved, that generations would be transformed, that we would see the most unbaptizable people baptized in Jesus' name, that we would see the most impossible mental illness bow to the name of Jesus, all for your glory, Lord. that we would see the most tormented of people absolutely delivered all for your glory, God. We cast aside this idea of reputation and validation, Lord. We want you to reign supreme. We want you to be lifted high. We want you to receive all honor. And we thank you, Jesus, that just like the jailer, you rescued us while we were your enemy and that we can stand before you reconciled today and Lord you have given us the ministry of reconciliation in this world give us the grace and the power and the revelation to walk in that as we go out into these streets Lord in Jesus name